Amen. Thank you, team. And the team did a great job and been serving all morning. And, and uh, it's just great to be with them. And it's great to be back home. We, uh, uh, Sue was back last week. I had to unpack my bags and repack it and jump on a plane to Spokane to minister for our church plant in Spokane last weekend, Livingstone Church. And they're doing a great job. But Sue and I uh, spent 10 days uh, on the other side of the world. We were in the country of Tajikistan, um, which if most Americans never heard of Tajikistan. And uh, when I told people we were in Tajikistan, people were always asking me, well, where is that? Where is that? And uh, am I on? Thank you. I'm good now. Good. You got me covered. I want to run it from here. Boom. You got it there. I got it. Thanks, buddy. Um, Tajikistan's right next door to Afghanistan. And uh, Alessandro Marcia uh, spent years in Afghanistan working with the underground church, leading people to Jesus, planning underground churches. They had to leave because too many people were getting killed. And uh, so they went next door to Tajikistan and a little bit safer environment. And there they're creating a church planting base through all the all the stons. And so when we were there preaching and training, about 25 to 30 workers that were going to be church planting, uh, we had like three different languages being interpreted at the same time as we're doing training here. But it was such a, a great honor to be with uh, people who literally aren't just singing it in a song, but they're literally laying their life down for the gospel. And uh, when you're with people, one couple that we were with, it was, it, was a, it was a fascinating story. The, the, the wife, her father was in prison for being a follower of Jesus. And then the husband, his brother, was in prison for following Jesus. So the father and the brother were in prison together as, as followers of Jesus. And the, and, uh, the, the brother, uh, or the father said, my daughter ought to marry your brother. So they arranged this marriage in prison, okay, for this couple that wasn't in prison. And this couple ended up getting married, and they became prolific church planners. The father eventually went to a place where more freedom, where actually Afghan uh, church planners actually go to this country, and uh, he trains them there. But the, the, his daughter and this, and this and her husband, they're planting churches in Afghanistan, and they've had death threats, and the Taliban's been after them, and uh, they just live a life where it's on the line. And we sing, I want to pour out my heart. They, they really pour out their life and, and even unto death and accept that and the courage of these guys. And even the Brazilian missionaries are there on a three-year stint. I mean, these kids are just ready to go give it all to Jesus. I mean, I mean it really is uh, the most courageous of the courageous that we were with. And it was a great honor to be with them. And... Um, we, Sue always likes to see the world on any trip, so while we're here, let's stop here. So we spent a day in Istanbul coming back, and uh, we saw the old city, which is part of the Byzantine Empire. It's, if you know anything about Western history, it's where the Ottoman Turks overran them in 1453. It's kind of into Christianity there, but it's a lot of roots of Christianity in that city. But anyway, we went and saw that, and then the, tech, the crazy taxi cab drivers... Uh, anywhere around the world, you're in a taxi cab other than the United States, you're taking your life in your own hands. And this was probably one of the more wildest guys, you know, just going 60 miles an hour without hitting the brakes and just right up to somebody's fender, whipping around and getting us through the city. And 
Sue and the other pastor's wife, Virginia, were screaming in the taxi cab. I mean, literally screaming. Ah! We'll live. I always say if we're in the will of God, we're not going to die. And um, this guy had a little translation thing with his cell phone, and so he could speak in it in Turkish, and it would come out in English. He said, well, they're screaming. He says, I've had my license revoked 18 times. <laughs> 18 times. That made me feel safe. Well, this is Global Vision uh, Sunday, uh, and when we, Global Impact Sunday, when we talk about our mission in, in, internationally, and, uh, and what's interesting, I said to the other two services, is that, is that one year ago to this day was the last time I was in a service at City Harvest Church where, you know, everybody was here, we were packed out, we had food tables and international displays and no distancing, no masks, no no nothing. I flew to Puerto Rico the next day, and when I got back, we were full-fledged into COVID, and we didn't meet for five months. So this is kind of a nostalgic anniversary today. And so we're really pared down, but it's the same vision, same spirit, same heart. And I want to just talk to you really brief. Pete and I are going to do a tag team uh, routine here for you. I'm going to speak. He's going to come up and share. I'm going to kind of share the cause. He's going to share the vision of what we need to do as a church as our upcoming lead pastor. But why a, a global vision? And I, I want to give you this, uh, this scripture out of Psalm 67, verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples, in the original language, peoples there is people groups. Let all the people groups praise you. So why does God have this thing called missions? Because he wants praise coming out of every people group in the world. Now, I believe the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be fairly fascinating for us because we're going to have all first, all the food there. It's going to be a smorgasbord of all, I don't know, the 190 nations we have around the world. And, and you name the culture, you name the food. You go to Mexico, you got different parts of Mexico, all has different types of food. I mean, everything's going to be there on that food, all sorts of colors and dress and all sorts of dances culturally and all sorts of music styles and it's all going to be there in the marriage supper of the lamb. It's going to be. It's going to be. A, it's going to be a hoot. It's going to be a hoot. I'm going to tell you that much. It's going to be a great time because God wants praise out of all nations. He wants worship out of all nations, nations and people groups that are full-on demonized idol worshippers. He wants to get praise out of that group. That's His heart. And I was devotionally just looking at Psalm 67. As I believe the psalmist here is carrying the heart of God. And I read verse 1 and 2 ahead of verse 3. If you have your Bible or smartphones, you can look at that with me. But verse 1 of this psalm says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Now, his pres the presence of God means to have God's face turn. That's what it actually means in Hebrew is his face to turn in favor towards you, to turn his favor on you. So we have his nearness, and he's with us, and he's Jehovah Shammah, and he's, he's here, and he, he blesses us like the house of Obadidim when the Ark of the Covenant was there for three months. The Bible says God blessed the house of Obadidim. And so we, we want God to look on us with favor. We want his presence. We want his goodness. We sang the goodness of God. Okay, we want it, and we want God to, to bless us, to bestow on us great things for our lives and also to use that to extend the kingdom of God. I don't think anybody got up this morning and said, God, would you please curse me? I don't think it's a natural thing that I want to be cursed. 
We all want to be blessed and favored and have health, and, and no one loves financial scarcity. We want enough money to be able to do what we can do. We also want to have enough money that we can do a lot of giving. Lord, bless me, and notice this, make your face shine upon me. Why? Verse 2. Because I want to be a big, fat, sassy American? No. Verse 2 says that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Bless me, favor me, shine upon me that the nations would know you, that the nations would come into a relationship with you. Powerful scripture. If you start tying the blessing of God to this, it kind of makes sense why we need stuff to extend the kingdom of God. So let's talk about this thing called why a global vision. And I want to just say this, is that a global a global DNA has been planted in City Harvest Church since its inception. When I got born again back in 1976, I was 21 years old, and you can start doing the math and guess my age, but uh, I got saved with being born again, with Jesus coming into my life. Somehow he allowed me to touch his international heart. Somehow this world globe thing got inside of me. And, you know, I don't know the exact moment where I started getting moved about what God was doing in other nations, but I had this view that God was doing something globally, not just in my life. And I got a burden for it. My first church I was at went to a camp uh, every year sponsored by a group called World Map, World Missionary Assistance Plan. And I heard about these pastors who needed food and needed shelter and were so hungry for the Word of God. They would walk for days with no shoes on to go hear the Bible and get instructed. And I, I started, something started happening in my heart. When I went to Bible college at Bible Temple, my pastor already had an international heart. His pastor was a guy named T.L. Osborne, wrote a book called Healing the Sick, and had been used globally around the world in signs and wonders and miracles. T.L. Osborne, and, he, and he, he shook the nations of the earth through this, and he also passed that on to my pastor, Dick Iverson. So our church was international and brought in the nations and sent teams to the nations. And it was about the nations. It was something that was very deep in the heart of the church that I was in. So as a youth pastor that I became, I had an international vision. I, one time I got really stirred to send all my youth group. I took about half my youth group. I had 90 kids signed up to go into communist Romania. This is before the Iron Curtain went down to go behind the Iron Curtain, go right into communist Romania, and we're just going to preach the gospel. We're going to bring down communism. I mean, I, that's the kind of that's the kind of youth pastor I was. No small little kumbaya, weenie roast. We wanted to kind of go, go and get them. And I remember Pastor Iverson bringing me into his office. 90 kids. You're going to take 90 kids into communist Ro Romania. You know how much that will cost the church? You will not do that. You can take 12. But can we still had an international heart and an international vision. So when I started City Harvest Church, that burning thing was in me. Pastor Peter was part of our church plant team. And uh, we met in the living room of my house. And I didn't talk just about what kind of a church we're going to be in Vancouver, but what we're going to do globally. That was a part of our conversation back at the very beginning before we ever met publicly. So our first mission statement as a church was this, extending the kingdom of God by planting churches and cities and nations around the world. Now, that made sense to me because that had been in my heart since I was 21. Now, we had a hard time connecting that statement with the average person in our community that really didn't understand that particular lingo. So uh, we had to kind of change that for people finding their destiny in Christ because 
It was a little bit too apostolic for the average bear, you know, just trying to find who Jesus was in their life, and we changed that. But I want to give you quickly seven reasons why a global vision. Why would we do what we're doing today? And we have our, our, our distinguished visitor, Anthony Rozier, who's no stranger to us, and he and his wife, Jessica, are planting churches all over the northern part of Argentina. They're doing a great job. We've got a great church in Corrientes, uh, Argentina, and uh, they're, he's, he's a real apostolic ministry. Very, very proud of Anthony. He's here today. Why, why this whole global thing? The first thing is because God is a global God with a, with a global heart. You want to know God's heart? God's heart bleeds for the nations. And uh, <clears throat> that's who he is. The Bible says, for God so loved what? The world. The world. It's just not, he doesn't just love Hazeldell. This doesn't love battleground or the couve, okay? God loves the world. He loves the couve and he loves Hazeldale. Especially he loves Highway 99, the Korean barbecue right over there. He really loves it as I ate there last night and very much so. But, but God, God loves the world. We had a great opportunity in Tajikistan to actually go way out. And I'm telling you, we were first, where we landed in the big city was the uttermost part of the world. Where we got in a car and visited this village was the uttermost part of the world. And, uh, and here we were sitting on the floor. I mean, this would be like the dining room table. Okay, and there'd be pillows around it. And you'd be sitting there and the food is there. And they gave us this, these little fishies that they fried. They got out of this muddy river. And you kind of eat the fish head and do the whole thing. Sue choked out. She didn't eat anything. But, uh, but here in this uttermost part of the world were three ex-Muslim women who had given their lives to Jesus. You know, God so loved those women. That's where God's heart was. And I was thinking, you know, there, uh, there's probably the average American Christian would not give the time of day to these women or even think about it. But in the heart of God, he was bleeding for them. And they, they're starting a whole new life. They're so full of joy and excitement about this Jesus thing. It's just unbelievable. God so loved the world. He, that's, he has a global heart. So if that's the case, because we must have a global heart to know intimacy with God. If you really want to know God, you can't ignore his global heart. You can't, well, God, here, you and I are going to relate, but don't bring up the global thing to me. No, no, no talking global, but I want to know you. That's an oxymoron. You can't say that. You know, Isaiah said of Israel in chapter 1, verse 3 of Isaiah, the ox knows its owner and the, doc, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. How many people feel like they're really pursuing God, but their ears are really closed to God's global heart, and yet they want to pursue intimacy with God? You can't have it both ways. If you want to have his heart, you got to carry his burden for the world. Third th reason is this, because global discipleship is our marching orders from Jesus. He's already given us our marching orders. Sometimes we're just sitting on our backside doing nothing, but he's given us our marching orders. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, literally all people groups, all ethnic groups. Go make followers of Jesus of those. Now, you may never go in an airplane and go there, but you can go there in prayer. You can go there with money. You can go there with letters. You can go there with refreshment and encouragement to people. You can still go there. 
it's like tying a, you know, str you know, string around your finger so you don't forget something. And I got to always remember that there are millions and millions of Christians around the world, millions and millions of people getting the gospel. I can't forget them. I got to carry them in the, the, my heart because God carries them in his heart and I want to know his heart. And so therefore I keep them in before my eyes and my meditation and my heart. The fourth reason is this, is because we will connect with the lostness, poverty, and suffering of the world. Why a global vision? Because we will connect with the lostness and the poverty and the suffering of the world. I know we don't like that. It's like the kid that doesn't eat his dinner, you know, and the mom says, you know, how many starving kids there are in Africa. And we all kind of joke about it, but they're not here. You know, you can send it to them and that type of thing. But we really are supposed to be thinking about the starving kids in Africa. And we really are supposed to be thinking about, you know, people in parts of the world who are being persecuted for their faith. As we met one man in his family, he and his son were in the house and the Taliban threw a bomb right in their house to kill him. Okay, he, you know, and, and he's living on $200 a month. Okay, and they have no citizenship. They're refugees. And they, in Dushanbe, they have to leave the town at night. They're not allowed to stay in the town. They're the, they're the scum of the earth. They're the, they're the scourge of the earth. And we're, we're to remember these people. We're to carry these people in our hearts. And God will lead us in what we can do with that burden. But, you know, there's a lot of scriptures like Hebrews 13.3 that says this. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them is though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. I mean, my body? No, you're in the body of Christ with them. It's your hand, it's your finger, it's your toe, it's your ear that's suffering in that jail. Just, you should all just look up Voices, uh, Voice of the Martyr magazine. You should, you should just get exposed to how, much, how many martyrdoms are in the world every year for those who follow Jesus. It'll give you perspective and give you a burden. You know, it's interesting that Paul in Acts 16, verse 9, trying to get into Asia, okay, trying to get into Bithynia, God wouldn't let him, and he's praying, and in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Well, how many people are calling on City Harvest Church? Come over to here and help us. Come to Kenya and help us. You know, come to Kosovo and help us. You know, come to Uzbekistan and help us. Come to Yemen and help us. Oh, I don't want to go to Yemen and desert places and there's weird and they're harsh and, you know, I, well, but still Jesus is there doing a work, needing people. And so the issue is, are we listening to the cry of people who are actually crying to us for help? And of course, describing Galilee and Jesus' ministry that dwelt in the north amongst the pagans that said, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. Light has dawned. Right now they're in the shadow of death, but light has dawned. The fifth reason is that we have a global vision is because we'll become like Jesus. And I think every one of us wants to be like Jesus. We want to be conformed to his image. And Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, Okay, so I'm a sent one. That's who I am. That's why he's called the apostle and high priest of our profession in, in Hebrews 3. He was sent from the Father, so I'm going to, I'm sending you. So if I want to know the sent one, I got to have a sending spirit. 
Now, Pete will talk to you about how we can be involved in sending, how we can be involved in going. Okay, yeah, but we got to be involved in that if we want to be like Jesus. Sixth reason why we have a global vision is because we will receive the favor of God on our church. And I'm pretty excited about receiving the favor of God on City Harvest Church. I'm pretty selfish. I want God to help me in this thing. Now, Psalm 41, verse 1 through 3, let's look at this. It says, blessed is the one who considers the poor. Now, we're just talking about mosquito nets for kids and they need a well. Well, they can be that, but it's also people who are just poor in spirit or people who are followers of Jesus and they just live in poverty. I mean, because they're followers of Jesus, they live with such scarcity, it's unbelievable. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, notice what happens. The Lord delivers him. We want deliverance? Let's get a heart for the poor. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. We want protection? Have a heart for the poor. He's called blessed in the land. We want to prosper? Have a heart for the poor. And it says you do not give them up to the will of his enemies. Come on, do you want to conquer the scheme of Satan? Have a heart for the poor. Okay, the Lord sustains them on his sickbed. Hey, Christians get sick. Have you noticed that? Uh, you've never been sick before, okay? They get the flu, they get colds, they get this, they get that. And in his illness, you restore him to full health. Why? Because he prays in Jesus' name, he has faith. And it says here, because he has a heart for the poor. How many healings are we going to get? How many provisions are we going to get? How many angels are we going to get? How many deliverances are we going to get? Just because we love what God loves. We carry his global heart. Lastly, we, we have a global vision because we're going to see the glory of God. And in the glory of the Lord, it says Isaiah 45, shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I told last service that I almost feel in my spirit and, and I may be wrong, I'm just a man looking through a dark glass just like you, but God may give me 20 years of strength and energy if I don't get martyred or killed or Something happens to me, it's up to him, but I'm here to serve him. I think he's going to give me some strength. And I have a prophecy given to me when I was 22 years old that I would live to see the day of the great visitation of God. Now everything else in that prophecy has come to pass. And I, get, I believe I'm going to get to see a global move of the Spirit of God, and you will too, in the next two decades, that we're going to see some fantastic stuff. And so I, I'm game for this. You game for this? You tell I'm a little bit pumped and excited? I am, I am, but I'm always pumped and excited when I'm dealing with God's heart like this. Let me introduce you to some of the heroes of City Harvest Church. Trained here, sent out of here, part of the family that we support on that board. We got Kevin and Tiffany Gipp and Kirkuson and uh, just doing a great job, having tons of divine appointments and just their early stages of reaching that particular nation. Of course, my heroes, Alessandro and Marcia Pereira, who we were with in Tajikistan, who are great apostolic ministries to the country of Afghanistan, all the Stans. I mean, that's what they are. They're about the Stans, okay? The Central Asia part of the world. Incredible ministry. I want to introduce you to Danish and Anita Estabadati. Now, Anita used to be Anita Nelson. Some of you old-timers remember Anita here. She was a part of our church. We sent her out in 2000, I don't know, 6-ish, 2005, somewhere in there. Her grandfather's buried in Iran, was a missionary there years ago. And she had received a prophecy that I see that you have a heritage in the old Persian Empire, that even people in your past labored there. And she served for years in Afghanistan, married an Iranian, a beautiful brother named Danish, 
and uh, who's a Christian. He can't get in the United States because he served in the Republican Guard in Iran and can't get into the United States. So they looked at that as a closed door and that they were going to plant a church in Armenia where there's a lot of, of uh, Iranians there, and that's what they're doing. You can be praying for them because there's some visa issues that are kind of touchy because it could turn into a life or death situation. So this is a wonderful, beautiful couple that we'll be walking with. Of course, the man himself, Anthony, with his lovely wife, Jessica Rozier, from Argentina, just knocking the ball out of the park. Then Andre and Karen Provost in Thailand, amongst the villages there of the unreached Buddhists there in Thailand. I meet with them once a month on FaceTime. They're just, they're just man, they're, they're in their late 60s. They got energy that won't quit. And they're, just, they're just doing a great job. David, our great friend David and Sherry Guilford in northern India, working with people to go into Nepal, doing a great job there. We're very involved with East Africa and in Uganda, Richard and Dora Sukungu. This church reaches into Kenya, Burundi, South Sudan, the Congo, and, and uh, Tanzania, all around that region. God's really breathing fresh life and, and great churches. Manuel and Jessica Perez in Guatemala with the Celsi Ministry, one of the great places, one of the best medical clinics in all of Guatemala. They're the highest infant immortality rate where they are in the mountains there. They have a clinic to these mothers and these babies. Outstanding theological training of uneducated pastors. Touched hundreds of Chichi Indians and made them, gave them a theology degree. And they're doing fantastic. They're a great couple. And then we're taking on Jurgen and Monica Kramer in Hamburg, Germany. They used to be with Kevin and Tammy Carmody. There, they've taken all these refugees. Remember two or three years ago, they were crossing Europe and Eastern Europe. Okay, they, they baptized now 150 of these refugees. Got a church going on. They, these guys don't know, they know a lot about the Bible, but these believers don't know their left hand from their right. We're going to get involved. We've been there ministering. A great work there. It's exciting. And then, of course, MFI, which is Ministers Fellowship International, which I'm the vice chairman. This church gives to it. See some familiar faces. There's Bill Scheidler, who's up one of our elders here in this church, the teacher in this church. You see me truly, and then you also see Trish Dyes, a part of this church, administrate it. We have 14 regions around the world training pastors to build dynamic churches to reach the regions of the world. we got our work cut out for us, don't we? Well, we got a reason to live, don't we? This is fun stuff. This is exciting stuff. Who wants to sit around and binge on Netflix series when you go change the world? And then get a big amen on that, but I'm sure I will. Amen. God bless you. Pastor Peter. You know, in, um, in the Bible, there's a lot of stories where, and a lot of commands about um, when God, especially when God was leading the Israelites, and when things would happen, he would tell, he would tell them to build like an altar, to get stones, and um, to, to set up a monument, or dig a well, or whatever it was. And the reason would be, I want you to do this so that then your children and people will ask, why? Why did you do this? And then you tell them why. And you educate them on why that happened. And really, that's what Bob just did, is he walked us through two things. He walked us through, biblically, why is it important that we have a heart for the nations? And that biblically, as Christians, we can't just say, well, this section of the room over here is supposed to have heart for missions. The rest of us, we, we kind of got a pass. We don't have to care about it. No, biblically, 
God has called all of us to. All of us. Also, what he did is he walked us through even the planting of City Harvest and what God put, which is part of the identity of who we are as a church. So therefore, it's part of the identity of who each one of us are as, as the family in the community of this church. And so kind of walking through that. Now, what does that mean? How does that translate then down to each of us? So that's, that's great to know that. Uh, it translates quite simply. Uh, we have up here or the, the, your responsibility, so your response, and you add a little your ability to it, and you got yourself your responsibility, little play on words there, but it's powerful, is each one of us is called. Each one of us is called. We did a, a global impact weekend once where the, the theme of the conference was go, send, pray, or disobey. Those are your four options. There you go. You can go. You can go long term or you can go short term. How many of you have ever been on a short term missions trip? Let me tell you, we used to always ask and we still will. If you are part of this church and you do not have a passport, go get one. Go get one. Because it's the first step to be able to step out when Jesus puts it on your heart for you to go, that you're able to go. It might be somewhere far. It might be somewhere near. It might be a third world country. It might be you're going to Germany, wherever. Uh, who here likes to travel? That's right. I mean, you know, you can, it's just a Christian vacation. No, it has purpose to it, okay? We're going, but we can go, whether long-term or short-term. We can send. We send by supporting people who are going long-term or short-term. And so we give of our resources, the things that God has asked us to steward, and we give to others to bless them to be able to do the same thing. And then we can all pray, regardless of our age, regardless of our health, regardless of how much money we have, it doesn't matter. We can all pray for people. So we're called to do that. And, you know, Bob read out of Matthew 28, the, the great commission, the commandment, that it wasn't a suggestion. God didn't say, hey, you guys are great men. I'm glad you guys walked with me for a couple years. I hope you learned some amazing things. And, uh, you know, continue telling the story. And when you think about it and you feel comfortable, yeah, right. go out and go do something. Yeah, that's no, right. he said, this is what you're going to do. That's exactly This is right. what you're called to right. do. He didn't pour into us just so that we can sit back and receive it. He pours into us so that then we can go and we can represent to others exactly what he's done for us. Amen. Amen. To be his hands and feet. In um, yeah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Says, then I hear heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? You know, that is a question that has been around for all time. Why? Because it's our human nature to sit back and think somebody else will take care of it. Just think of the last time you were walking on a parking lot and you saw trash. Now, nowadays you see somebody's plastic cup or a napkin or a Snickers wrapper blowing around and you think to yourself, oh, I'm a good person. I would have picked that up, but there's a good chance it has COVID on it. So I'm just going to let it blow and I'll wait for someone else in a, no you know, in a hazmat suit. And they can, they no can pick up the trash. Or, you know, oh, that shopping cart there is drifting, but yeah, they haven't sanitized that one. So I'm going to let it just crash into a car and I'll go get a new one. No, we, we have this thing in our human nature where we think somebody else can take care of it. Somebody else will do that. Someone else will go to my neighbor and, and, and share the love of God. 
Someone else will pull over on the side of the highway and help that person change the tire that doesn't know how to. Someone else will, will offer to pay for that person's groceries when, they're, when their card bounces and they have, they have no way to get them. Someone else will do this. Someone else will, will have the boldness to pray with my coworker. Someone else will go to the nations. God's been asking for years. I'm looking around and I'm asking, whom shall I send? The answer is us. He wants every single one of us. It's our call. It's our responsibility. And so when it comes to global impact, each one of us has the ability to go, to send, or to pray. There's absolutely nothing keeping us from that. Other than, the fact is, our own comfort. And so we need to step into that. The answer in here, after saying... Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Here am I. And I said, here am I, send me. That's right. But there's something powerful that God is going to do in and through you while you're there. That's right. Yes, give, be a giver. But man, I tell you what, it transforms your life when you go. And we want to open ourselves up and say, Lord, I want you to use me. Mm-hmm. I want you to work through me. As you've blessed me, I want to bless others. Now, the ushers are going to pass something out. It's this little uh, flyer. We have what we call the journey guide, and that it's a, it's a process for people that want to go long-term, feel like they're supposed to go long-term to the mission field. It helps walk them through being educated with where they're going, asking God, Lord, where do you want to send me? Why do you want to send me there? How are you going to send me there? What am I going to do when I'm there? Who should I be teaming up with uh, as I go there? But you know, there are, as Bob said, there are no green berets in the kingdom of God. We are all called. We all have unique callings, but we're all called. And uh, this is kind of the first stage of that journey guide. It is our desire that every single one of us goes through the first stage. This is just a brief summary of it. But each one of us goes through it. Because what is this first stage about? The first stage is about having a global awareness. How many of you have ever felt like you can get tunnel vision? Anybody ever get tunnel vision? I'm teaching this wonderful keyboardist here how to drive a car. And um, she didn't tell me I could tell this story, but that doesn't matter. That's part of living with me. She, uh, when she was first learning, she would slide the chair a little forward. She would hold onto the steering wheel and look out. And so I would talk to her about, you need to bring your seat back a little bit more so you can see a little more broad. So you, you have more peripheral about what's happening around you, right? Isn't that good? There's a great, great analogy of this. <laughs> we need to step back so we can see more. That's good. And nothing has shown us as the American church more than this last year how tunnel vision we oh, have. Man. So true. As soon as a couple things came against us of what we could and couldn't do, we all of a sudden throw our hands up and we're, we're upset about it. You go and you talk to someone that lives in another country and you tell them what you're feeling, how you're, we're being spiritually attacked, and they almost want to laugh at us. Mm-hmm. Because they would be praising God to have even what they see, what we consider a restriction as an absolute freedom. 
Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything. What I'm saying is we need perspective. We need to know what it's like. We can't say that, well, I, yeah, I watched a movie on Africa. Africa is massive. It's like saying that Amboy and downtown Portland have the same personality. They don't. God has children all over the place. And we talk about us being the body of Christ and how unique each one of us are in that God brings us all together into this family for a purpose. It's the same thing with the whole world. He has sons and daughters all over the place. And he has kids that don't know who he is. And he wants to reveal himself to them. And he's saying, he's looking around saying, who will go? Who will go? Who will go? And we need to say, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Use me to send someone. Here I am. I will pray. So will you guys stand to your feet if you're able to? If not, feel free to sit. We're gonna, they're going to sing this song. And I just ask that um, the purpose here, it's a song called Pour Me Out. You know, we can only pour out what's come into us. And so right where you're at, would you just kind of open up your hands? When I was a kid, they used to sing that, you know, I'm a little teapot and the whole spout thing. And, uh, but there's just something about just saying, Lord, I want you to fill me. God, open my eyes to what you're calling me to. God, open my eyes to see what you want me to see. Show me how I can say, here I am, send me. Show me how I can go. Show me how I can send. Show me how I can pray. And God, help me to have a greater global awareness of what you're doing in and around the world.